Community Radio for Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix FM. And welcome to a pre-recorded edition of the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker and Kevin Slade from the online fanzine Sex, Drugs and Colton Cole, alongside serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. After a disappointing exit from the Carabao Cup last week, we needed a big performance against Burnley and we got one. A much needed three points takes us to 13th in the table and four points from the top ten. We'll be talking about that game as well as getting news and views from X and answering questions from our collective followers on social media. Don't go anywhere for the duration of the show. Good evening, everyone, and as always, I hope you're keeping well. Uh, lads, we took a week off last week, and I'm pleased we did, because it took me quite a while to calm down after losing to Tottenham, and once again missing an opportunity to progress in a competition that we've never won. But in contrast to that result was the performance that followed three days later in what I certainly thought was a must-win game. And um, it's that game that I think we should focus on tonight. West Ham 4, Burnley 2. X, there was a lot of pressure on the boys, but they delivered against that pressure. Yeah, they did. And do you know what was really good to take from that game was the fact that they got pegged back twice. You know, and mm. that for me shows the strength of character that they had from that game. You know, many times in the past where West Ham have taken the lead, the other team scored and that was right before half time their first goal and then again towards the end of the game we've gone 2-1 up and they've got it back usually West Ham teams would have capitulated then so to go on and win and you know we were in control of it I think there should have been a penalty for Dean Garner you know there was other opportunities that we perhaps should have scored it's a very good result and it's pleasing to have came back it's pleasing for Anderson you know, Anderson's had a lot of stick some from me, um, and I'm pleased for him that, that this is now the platform for him to progress on, and Hernandez as well, you know, he's had stick and he's got a goal, so there's a lot of positives to take from that performance and that result, so yeah, buzzing. I mean, what was so different this week, Kev, for us? Why, why did we turn it on? I think we needed to, to be honest. Um, as I say, you know, we lost uh, both games against Tottenham, which is a huge, huge game for uh, the team and for the supporters, really. And it hasn't been it hasn't been great watching West Ham, is it, recently again. The performances have been there, but the results haven't been coming our way. And, um, you know, on Saturday against Burnley, uh, we had the result to go with the performance. And as X said, you know, I'm really, really happy for Anderson because I was one of them that was calling, calling for him to be dropped. Mm. Um, you know, a £40 million player, I think he showed us on Saturday, uh, is repaying some of that some of that back with his performance. He was absolutely quality on uh, on Saturday. And like you said, you know, Hernandez come off the bench, he got on the score sheet again, which is which is positive. Arnie's Arnie. And it was an all round uh, fantastic performance. Uh, and do you know what as well, which for Anderson, when you can when you can kind of tell that things are turning positively for a player. So if you think about his goals, now one of them was a decent finish, but it did go through Hart's legs. But the other one where it was deflected off and out of it, his shot was deflected into his path, and then his shot was deflected into the net. It's those little fine lines between being lucky and unlucky that can change mm. someone's season. And I think that the fact that that luck did benefit him, certainly for that goal, is a real 
real good thing. And 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 you know the stick we gave him, it was I was never ever saying he was a bad player. I was just saying I felt he mm. had to apply himself and work harder, and then these things would come. And you know I got a lot of stick last week on a show for pointing out that he'd been made to look at videos and so on. I saw it as a positive, and the reason I saw it as a positive is because the player and the manager were addressing things to make improve his game. They've looked at it. What I said last week was true. They've looked at it in the video, and now he's turned in a better performance. And to me, the ultimate reason for me saying it was that it was a positive, and here is the end outcome, that it was positive. And I don't think we can go further into this chat without mentioning Dean Garner either and saying what a revelation he's been since he came in. And having that... Having that, um, that was a firework, wasn't it? It wasn't you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is a firework. <laughs> it's really, it's I really don't know, hard. Smell it in about two minutes, <laughs> you'll have your answer. It's really hard to tell when Dave's around because that just blends into the general sound around him. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's a firework. Um, yeah, um, they, uh, if not, that is an impressive curry you had last night. But anyway, um, yeah, and it's nice to have academy players Rice and Dean Garner performing. Having a youngster like Dean Garner that's just out there to make his name and enjoy energy and drive and and passion into the side and he did it and I think it was a tremendous performance from him yeah I mean you've mentioned two players there and and I want to kind of give my input on both of them starting with with Philippe Anderson and I think and I challenge anyone to kind of track back through podcasts or anything on Twitter where I've 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 said anything negative about Philippe because I have deliberately tried not to because I do think he is a player that does need more time and even when he was going through his difficult stages. Because the thing is, where, where he's bought a bit of patience with me is, I've looked at him in the past, um, so far this season, and he's definitely a player capable of producing moments. He's one of those players. Or even if he's having a quiet game or a bad game, he's the sort of player that can pick the ball up, beat two or three players, and either you know, deliver that killer ball for someone to knock it in the back of the net or knock it in the back of the net himself. My biggest concern with Anderson is the one that I've had and still have with Lanzini. I think that he's got the ability to be world-class, but can he be world-class consistently? And that is the million-dollar question. Because he can do it. He's already proved to West Ham he can do it. And Lanzini can do it. He's already proved he can. But Lanzini doesn't do it enough. And I just hope, for Anderson's sake and for the football club's sake, that Anderson is the opposite and he can do it enough. As for Dean Garner, I mean, what a story that is. I I hold my hands up and say before Mansfield, I'm not sure, sure I even heard of him. And he, uh, Macclesfield, sorry. And he came on, was fantastic then, got thrown in the deep end, really, when he came on against Man United, whilst there wasn't a lot of pressure on him from the fans' point of view. You know, as an academy prospect, when you get given an opportunity, you have to take it. That's why Declan succeeded. And that's why Dean Garner is, is going to be keeping his place and keeping Yarmolenko out the side based on his performances so far. And I think he's been fantastic. And again, how nice is it to see the academy alive and well with these players coming through? I think it's brilliant. Well, well I... Well, I made a tweet about um, how good it is. And Dave Hunt, who obviously we had on the show a few weeks ago, pointed out that um, there's a number of other players. And that's the thing with Dean Garner. You know, I'd I'd heard of him and I'd heard of what a potential talent he was. um, But I'd heard that psychologically he struggled with the pressures of football at times and, you know, wasn't maybe the best equipped psychologically. He had the talent football-wise, but found it hard to deliver if there was criticism or whatever. He seems to be playing without that fear now. And, and the good thing is, you've got to think, if he wasn't one of the 
the most obvious names to break through, then who are them? They're the likes of Holland. They're the likes of um, Dan Kemp's meant to be very good. Um, there's other players that are at a younger level that are meant to be good. Nathan Trott's meant to be a very good keeper. You know, and I think that's really, really positive. The academy and another another player that I wish to identify as a real positive as well is Snodgrass. And I think, you know, again, West Ham fans, it's a simple formula to get in West Ham fans' good books. The formula is work hard. Ian Dowie, for example, got a runner-up in Hammer of the Year as a forward that barely scored and was pretty rubbish to say the least however he put loads of effort in peter butler wasn't the most gifted of central midfielders yeah yeah he yeah he exactly yeah he worked really hard you know thomas repka again probably not the most talented of right backs or center backs whatever position you want to put him in but the passion and i don't understand why more players don't take a leaf from snodgrass's book not just at west ham but in general because if you apply yourself and run around like he does then immediately the fans warm to you and it doesn't matter if you're not the most talented player you get away with it there was a brilliant video on twitter which i commented on today i don't know if either of you saw it but i think it was from the leeds game i think they played wigan at the weekend and a wigan forward was um breaking through the defense kind of one-on-one to start with and about six or seven leeds players are pegging it back and surrounded him so he had nowhere to go and that is the sort of thing you love to see as a fan and Snodgrass is delivering that and fair play to him you know his career was pretty much written off at West Ham loaned out to Aston Villa the chairman saying his sons begged him begged him not to sign him and now he's proving a crucial part of our season so he quite clearly has the attitude he quite clearly has a work rate but does he have the ability to keep his place at West Ham at this level I don't personally I don't I don't think he's the most technically gifted player at West Ham uh, you know, if you look, look at the likes of Anderson, Yarmolenko, even Antonio, really. I mean, I think on on any other day, I think Antonio would even keep him out of the squad. Grady, who just uh, uh, not Grady, Grady, um, yeah, Dean Garner, is a. Uh, as uh, broken through into the first scene there but it, like you said it's his work rate and it's his passion and it's his hunger and it's his heart he actually went onto the official website and uh, released an article saying you know I'm playing for the badge and he's delivering that with his actions yeah. as well. This, this, I, that's all we want to see. That's and I all think, we want to see. I think he's probably more talented as well than he gets credit for. And like, I agree with Kevin. He's not the most gifted player at the te- in the team. And he's not the sort of player to say, oh, he's a better player than Lanzini or whatever. Clearly he isn't. But if you look at his career, you know, when he was playing for Hull in the Premier League, he was their best player. You know, he was scoring goals, um, setting them up when he was at Norwich. You know, they played in the Premier League. He was a good player for Norwich in the Premier League. So he's probably at that stage. He's probably like your best player for one of the lower teams in the Premier League and therefore an average player for a middle-of-the-table team. But his attitude and his desire is what we need and it has a positive impact on all those players around him because they see someone like him working hard and they can't just walk around themselves. And I think, you know, fair play to him. He is an important person in this squad and I know a lot of players look up to him. His relationship, for example, with Declan Rice, you know, they get on really, really well Um, and it's great for Declan at 19 to have someone that's 31 32 you know played at all levels of football played you know an international and so on to go to and I think he's got a very positive role to have but what's interesting there especially what you just said Kev is that you seem to make every comparison that you made with Snodgrass there seemed to be an attacker so it was Antonio it was Dean Garner it was even Yarmolenko even yourself said Lanzini I mean I think 
his best football comes from centre mid. Yeah, in the middle, yeah. And I think if he's got the work rate, he's got the heart, he's got the desire, he's got the attitude, surely that also backs that theory up that he's a central midfielder. I mean, do you see him as a central midfielder? And if you do, oh. where does he fit into that when everyone's fully fit? Does he keep Obiang out of side, Mark Noble, Declan Rice, or do you play free in midfield and sacrifice a potential number 10 again? It's the age-old problem that we've had this season of what formation do you play if a player's in form? When the team's fully fit, Robert Snodgrass shouldn't be in that team. Boom. But does that not contradict everything that we've just kind of said West Ham want and demand? Uh, and you said yourselves that technical ability is secondary to someone that gives their heart for the bad. So should he, in theory, on that fact alone, not be the first name on the team yeah shoot. but what you need is you need you need when you haven't got the talent you need to work extra hard like that to compensate for it but when you've got the talent and you work hard then you've clearly got more than someone that's not got the talent so what's more important attitude or ability both are important yeah, yeah. both are important How? because you can't have a team of 11 players that try hard because you might as well have me you and Kevin the same you know you've got to have, you've got to have some talent um, but so you're saying Snodgrass hasn't got some talent he has got talent, uh, but uh, not, not as much talent as Lanzini or Anderson, but they haven't got the attitude that he's got, so they need to raise their game because attitude and desire but, but you, again, can, you're, you but can't again, teach. But again, you're comparing him to attacking players. But he's not an uh, Obiang or a Noble. You'd have him as a winger over a central midfielder. No, but I'm having him as an attacking midfielder rather than you wouldn't have him sitting as a defensive midfielder, would you? I'd, I'd have it, I'd have him as a deep lane playmaker at the very really? at the very highest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, he's not the fastest. You said yourself he ain't the most technically gifted, so we're not going to be expecting step overs, dribbles, beating your last man, and gri- putting in a great cross. So everything you've you've geared towards is attitude and work rate. So surely he's a workhorse in midfield, isn't he? the box then, rather than a defensive midfielder. Well, uh, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you could potentially argue that. I mean, uh, like I say, I'd keep him as a deep lane playmaker with two workhorses either side of him if you're having a central three, which would probably be Declan Rice and Mark Noble either side of him, personally. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm playing devil's advocate. As much as I've been really impressed with Snodgrass this season, for his attitude alone, I'm not sure when everyone's fully fit, I'd start him. In fact, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, but, but Bar Lanzini, everyone at the beginning of the season was fit and Pellegrini was still playing him he started the first mm-hmm. game of the season he started at Liverpool did he start no he didn't start at Liverpool sorry I got that wrong he started at Arsenal away I know that for a fact obviously because I was there mm-hmm. where was that first home game Bournemouth wasn't it he started um, against Bournemouth again there is the argument saying yeah but it's Bournemouth or whatever but he started at Arsenal Pellegrini clearly sees something in him mm. this is what I mean because I remember at the event when when the team sheet got read out, everyone was like, what? Mm. This is the first home game. What's he starting for? Yeah. He had a great pre-season. I think that was a factor. He did really well there. I mean, I think I think for him is that, I, to go back to that argument, what you were saying, David, at work, ethic over um, talent. As I say, ideally you'd have both. For, for example, I think someone like Anatovic has, I think Anatovic works hard and is clearly mm. a very good player yeah, good as well. Yeah. And that is what you want from your players. And they... A talented player like whoever you compare him to, Anderson or Noble or whoever, Wilshire, a talented player should look at Snodgrass and go, I'm better than him, yet the fans prefer him to me. Why do the fans prefer him to me? Well, that's because he's working harder and they should raise their game as well. Because if you have a team full of players that are quality but work hard, look at someone like Steven Gerrard, you know, playing for Liverpool. He was the engine of that Liverpool team for decades, you know, took them from the brink of losses to winning games purely on him alone he was worked his butt off for Liverpool but he was also a very good player at the same time and that's what you want ultimately. I think the two questions are do you start him 
And if no. so, where does he play? You don't start him when you've got a fully fit team because if you're going with the formation of four, say four, five, one, which with or four, three, two, one, whichever way you look at it, you've got three central midfielders there. One of which should be Rice, hands down. The other, I would say, possibly should be Noble or Obiang, and then maybe Wilshaw Lanzini. He shouldn't get in ahead of those, but you should in this situation where we've got injuries and. We've got, um, I don't know, and even it might even be against the lesser teams you want to play them. You know, if you're playing away at, to coin that phrase, Stoke on a, a cold winter's night, mm. Snodgrass might be a better player than Lanzini. So, mm. it can, so it can be dependent on the game, but talent-wise, he shouldn't be in there. But his attitude could be copied by many a player. He's mm. earned his place, though. He's earned his place 100% squad, earned, his, earned his place. What, in yeah. the first team or the squad? At the moment, I'd say in the first team. So you, so you would start him at the moment. You start him. Obviously, at the moment. No, with a fully fit side. Uh, No, I wouldn't. No, no. But then you could argue if Lanzini's come back from injury. He's not earned his right to be back it's, in that side, it's, it's is he? It's a difficult one with Snodgrass because, like you say, he's an absolute workhorse and obviously the passion and, and the desire and the will and the hunger is there. He's also quality at set pieces as well, which is which is what I think we lack at yeah. the moment. And I mean, mm. you're right what you say about Lanzini. Lanzini shouldn't come in and take Snodgrass's place no, uh, eventually. Yeah. He, shouldn't, he shouldn't take it straight away. He shouldn't come in and you go, right, Snodgrass, Lanzini's been out for however long you drop. He's in. He has to work his way back into the team. But ultimately, if you're going forward... And you're saying, who are you going to have, Lanzini or Snodgrass as your player? You're going to have Lanzini because a Lanzini has the potential to go on to another level. Yep. And also, you've got to look at the ages as well as a factor. Snodgrass is 31 now. Mm. So there, are, there ain't many years left of him being able to perform with that. You know, players that work hard can't last as long as a talented player that doesn't work hard because they're going to do more running and obviously as you get older you can't do as much so you definitely you've got to go in these players but that doesn't underestimate Snodgrass you know I started this conversation here as a positive to him I think he's done brilliantly I love his attitude oh, yes. I think he's great. a brilliant role model to many a player look at Zabaleta in the same ilk yeah this season, if you set the start of the season, who's going to be the right back? Pick it now. I bet all three of us and probably many of the listeners have said Fredericks and Zabaleta has proven that he deserves his place. And I hope we keep him on next year as well. There's been talk that he wants to go to Dubai and kind of ease off his career as he reaches his twilight years. But I would say no. Well, thankfully, I think when he hits 20 games anyway, it triggers an automatic renewal anyhow. So I think it's going to happen regardless but I think we need to give him another year and I love the fact that he was um, he was the captain wasn't he on um, on a it was a no-brainer, really. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah I love the fact. No-brainer. I love the fact that he's the captain as well. I think he's a great captain material and a consummate professional. Leader. Consummate yeah. professional. And when you're playing, I've said it before. You're playing this high line thing, which Pellegrini has had since his days at Man City. Well, who better to do that than have the defender that was part of that at Man City and did it so successfully? You know, he's he's got an important role there. You know, you've got Balbuena that's not played in the country before. As much as I rate him and love him, he hasn't. Diop who's 21 and the left back situation is a bit of an issue at the moment but certainly those two centre backs need Zabaleta alongside them telling him I mean on a flip side on a flip side yes it's a good point but if the high line doesn't work and we get caught well Brenner and Diop are much more likely to catch the attacker than Zabby's yeah that's right yeah he hasn't got the pace to get back but then if he did have the pace and he had everything else that went with it would it be a West Ham well yeah this is the thing and you know 
I think I think if we go back to the actual performance, there was uh, many many strengths to take out of it. I think what I liked as well, you know, Dian Garner uh, to go back to him took an absolute pasting that foul for the goal where he slipped out. Referees had a nightmare. Absolutely shocking challenge, shocking challenge, and yet he's carried on and fought through the challenge on Obiang at the start was horrendous as well. And has he not given a penalty? Oh yeah, there's a penalty as well. Has he not given that? Exactly. So I think. But what is the point? VAR you, for something a, a call as big as that one don't know VAR you, in the Premier League there was a couple of incidents there was a couple of incidents prior to that where he did actually go down quite easily so maybe the referees looked at that and thought well he did he actually went down quite easily a couple of yeah but see this is where the inconsistency comes from from referees if that's his viewpoint then book him for diving yeah and also yeah. I think sometimes if you give a penalty you're booking for diving what's it going to be yeah and a player like Dean Garner that's a pure pace merchant and isn't that stocky you know he's quite light isn't he he's going to get knocked over a few times if you're coming up against a, a tougher fullback you will get knocked off the ball um, but I think yeah positives all round um, I think Diop and Balboena it's just it's brilliant in my opinion, to have two centre-backs that you go, right, who's going to be a centre-backs this week? Right, Jupp and Balbuena. For the last two, three years, we've debated, should it be Ogbonna? Should it be Collins? Should it be mm, Rice? Rotating, should it? it be, yeah. And it's been this constant, re- you know, Winston Reid, who's the best centre-back? Well, it's clearly that's the best partnership. Declan Rice was brilliant again. You know, does that guy ever have a bad game? You know, I, mm. I couldn't tell you. if he. Yeah, I can't I, remember the last one he had, that's well, for no, sure. Well, no, certainly. And, and, you know, it's brilliant to have that spine. I think of Fabianski Diop and Balbuena Rice and Anatovic I, just, I think that's such a solid bat and if you've got Anderson now coming into form and you've got other players alongside that that can produce the goods well then in theory we should have a good season this year mm. it's just a shame that we're knocked out of a cup again but I mean I, I thought personally those two goals we conceded did us a harsh injustice really because I thought the, the performance was phenomenal yeah. because that performance really was everything that we crave as West Ham fans it was entertaining Every player gave 110%. And what I really admired, I mean, I mean, we should come to expect this from professional footballers anyway, but we know in, in some you know examples it do- doesn't exist. But when we conceded the equaliser for two all, it would have been very easy for them to have disappeared and, oh, and, yeah, and, and thought, you know what, we'll be shrinking violets now. We tried our best. The fans are relatively happy. We've given it everything. And we'll just, you know, we'll shrink in now. Five minutes left. But what character determination and heart shown by the players and and, and you know we were clinical in front of goals well yeah. four goals well, that's exa- fantastic performance that's exactly what I said at the start of the show that's the biggest thing to come out of it for me is the heart and the character you come back from two setbacks and not getting the penalty and some of their players probably should have been sent off as well there's a lot of setbacks throughout 90 minutes and to not let it affect us given the fact we've got young players in that team as well was a real good thing and maybe maybe that's a credit to Zabaleta as captain as well you know you need your captain to be strong in these situations situations and and, Mm. you know and we were and we were strong and maybe that's a credit to him Um, I think credit credit also and I'm stating the obvious has to go to Pellegrini because sections of our fan base are so quick to jump on Pellegrini when when we don't get the result when we do go get the result he's got to be the first man we turn to has to got to take the rough with the smooth we don't give him enough smooth I don't think no he's definitely the right man for the job for me like you know even when we've been going through sticky periods I've thought right I'm still happy with him as 
as the manager yeah. and, I, and I am going forward and you look at our fixtures coming up I mean someone sent me them a little while ago aside from Man City at home they are literally I've said this I said yeah, this last yeah. week and I know you don't want you can't say there's an easy fixture in the Premier League there isn't and West Ham have notoriously do better against the better teams and worse against the lesser teams but if you was to pick you if you take Man City out of it if you was to pick the next 10 games that that you would choose to have well we've got them well it's over the Christmas and New Year period as well which historically for West Ham is usually terrible yeah. for us yeah so um, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean yeah. consistency is is absolutely key to success in, in anything you, you do I think but especially football and I said on last week's show, it was Alex Ferguson's famous quote was consistency is key. That's why they've been so successful. And yet consistency is the one thing that West Ham haven't had since February 2017, which was the last time we won two Premier League games in a row. Um, and, and it's like you said, you know, on the back of that, we now go to Huddersfield away. Um, I'm looking at them now. I mean, they're rock bottom. Haven't won a game all season. Just four goals scored, 21 conceded. Basically, they are the sort of team that West Ham will go and lose to. They're playing now. <laughs> yeah. uh, are they playing right I think now? they are. They're yeah, playing they're Fulham. That's a big game for them. Um, big game for them. Up. Oh, they... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing yeah. or not for West Ham, no, to be I'm honest with you. Because, sure. um, yeah. And, and do you know what? It, it would be typical, as we all know, to lose to Huddersfield and beat Man City at home. Yeah. That is the West Ham way. Yeah. Having said that, are we going to get our first back-to-back wins in the Premier League since February 2017 on Saturday. You would hope so. I mean, I don't mean this disrespectfully. And it will come back to haunt me as it always does. Because I said this about Brighton, but I'm going to read you their team now because I'm looking at my um, Sky Sports app on my phone. They're 1-0 up, okay? This is Huddersfield's team now. Tell me how many of these you'd have in West Ham's team and even tell me how many of them you've heard of as well. Well, I can, okay. I can answer so it for you now, goal, but go on. They've got Jay Lossie. Uh, <laughs> they've got M. Jorgensen, C. Schleindler, T. Congolo, F. Hadarigiana Nash. Bless you. Jay Hogg. A. Mui. Now I've heard of him. He's, He's fucking the, making these up. Yeah, no, exactly. He's the Australian international. I've heard of him. P. Billing. C. Low. A. Pritchard. I've heard of something. He used to yeah, play yeah, for yeah, Tottenham. And yeah. S. Mooney. Who I've heard of as well. Yeah, he was good in France. So probably. And then there's Subs Bench. I've not heard of the, any of those. So three of those first team players. I've the the, thing, the thing is. I'm not surprised to see Huddersfield in this position. All right, yeah, okay, they're winning now. I mean, oh, I don't know what this means for Fulham because they're, they're having a nightmare time of it at the moment. Yeah. But, and I think they go bottom of the league, Fulham, don't they, if, if they lose this or not? Let's have a look. I'll leave the table out and they there. swap, yeah, I think, don't they? Because uh, Huddersfield yeah, they do. are bottom. Yeah, so, yeah, so Fulham will be bottom. Yeah. But the thing is with Huddersfield is, and I've always said this, newly promoted sides are so dangerous for a few different reasons. One, and this massively applied to Huddersfield when they got promoted, they were an unknown quantity. People didn't know how they were going to play, didn't know how they were going to set out. And I think opposing managers and players in a professional game were like us scratching their heads looking at the same team sheet as we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, a newly promoted team are so dangerous because there's no pressure on them. Yeah. They can go out and enjoy their football every single week. Now... The longer they stay in the Premier League, the more expectations going to come onto them. Yeah. The more other teams are going to get to know their players, understand mm. how they play, mm. and they're going to get found out mm. because, yeah, bless them, they can't go and spend big money. They are, you know, the the, the minnows of the league, league if you like. Mm. And and I think this could be the season where they do become the whipping boys. And mm. and for the first time in a long time, 
I think the bottom three potentially picks itself this season. Well, yeah. It's a second season syndrome, isn't it? For well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. I mean, yeah. for me, the bottom is going to be between, I think, Southampton are poor as well. It's going to be between Southampton and Newcastle. I just feel kind yeah, of full of the teams that are all down there. And um, yeah, but then we'll say this and then we'll turn out a bad performance, probably lose, and we'll get everyone saying you shouldn't underestimate people. But you can't help but look it on paper. I know it's not played on paper, but when you look at it like that, you do think. Um, you know, you do think they are one of the worst teams in the league. I love your pronunciation of minnows as well. <laughs> <laughs> minnows. How's <laughs> 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 that? <laughs> just thought that needed pointing out as well. Yeah, minnows. I'll just I'll give you that one in Norwegian just to spice up the show <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Was that in, in German? <laughs> yeah, in the Swahili. tributes of Wagner, whatever the manager's called. Wagner. Uh, piss off. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> well, look, we went there last season and absolutely played them off the park. Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah, that's one of our best mm, away games, wasn't it? Yeah, well, so. we, well, Lanzini was playing as well. Well, Lanzini was... He was on fire. Class he was doing like, what he should be doing class. every week, yeah. Lanzini. Because he's, I mean, I'm not putting too much expectation on him. It's because I know he can do it. Mm. That's why yeah. I tear my hair out of him. Oh, that against Huddersfield is what he's capable of doing more often than not, and course, he doesn't. Yeah, of course he should be. Because, you know, this is the sort of player that goes away and play, was going to play for Argentina in the World Cup. And as Messi gutted that he wasn't going to be fit for the World Cup. I mean, you know, if, if ever there was a... Really yeah, exactly. A to how good someone is to have Messi wanting you to play for his team. You know, when he when the sort of players that he's played alongside. You know, I, I think Lanzini has the world at his feet. But like you say, Dave, inconsistency and maybe a certain desire or hunger is lacking from him at times. You know, and I hope, I hope now that he comes back from this injury, the injury may have made him appreciate what he's got a bit more perhaps and he might be a different player in terms of his desire when he comes back hopefully the injury hasn't affected his, his ability though mm. predictions for Saturday uh, I'm going to go I think <laughs> I, said, I said this before the Brighton game as well uh, and that we're going to carry momentum into the game and, and we didn't but I, I, I do think that people like Anderson are going to be thriving I think I just look at it and I think we are going to win the game I think we're going to win 2 nil. I was going to say 2-0. I'm going to go 3-1 then, just to be different. <laughs> you know, we're going to lose 3-0 well, now. That's what we did against Brighton, mate, didn't we? We got a lot of steep <laughs> for it. But at yeah. the end of the day, and as we always, 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 always say, it is the beauty of supporting West Ham. It is impossible to predict a West Ham result. You know, I can't ever bet on West Ham. I wouldn't anyway, because I don't like to, you know, have that influence my enjoyment of watching. But... You just don't know. You literally don't know. We could go and batter Haddlesfield and we could go and lose to them. And either scenario seems realistic at this stage or a draw. You know, there's nothing that West Ham couldn't do in that game. And that and that is the beauty. You never know what you're going to get. It's like but, a but box of chocolate. Do, do you know what, though? I, I, I just can't stress enough. And again, I'm stating the obvious. I can't stress enough how important consistency is. Yeah. And we've never got a better opportunity to get that consistency now. And, it, and if we can win most of our games, which I'm not being funny, ain't out of the realms of possibility. If you look at it, mm. and anyone at home listening to this, not, not sure on who we've got up until the Arsenal game in January, it's only the Man City game where I think, well, every other game, I think we, we, could, we could literally win every single game. Well, We're yeah. good enough to. I mean, and to we have to start doing that sooner rather than later. With that level of investment, with how good we know they can be, with a top manager in place, with the fans fully back in the side, we should be going on four or five game wins. Well, we yeah, should do. I mean, to emphasise the point, I've just loaded up the fixtures. So obviously, we've got Huddersfield next, then Man City. And if you go after that, we've got Newcastle away, Cardiff at home, Palace at home, Fulham away, Watford at home. 
Southampton away, Burnley away, Brighton at home, and then there's the Arsenal game. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're capable of, of winning all those games. You, we are. You get 30 points out of that, you're laughing. Well, we're only four points away from the top ten now. Exactly. So when our, our next two, we're in the top ten. What happens if we do go on to win nine of those next ten games? Think how happy this show will be. Be amazing. Do you know it? what? We, we, since we've been doing this, we still haven't. It still hasn't happened yet, has uh, it? The, I, we I still haven't been over the, the moon. The best thing that's ever happened since we're doing this show is that didn't we win a? No, because you're saying we haven't won two games in a row for ages. So it can't have been that. We beat Tottenham. That was nice. We beat. Yeah, it might have been a cup game than a league game. Yeah, maybe, maybe. last season. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's only that like one off games, but to come in like you know, say we won five in a row, and just <laughs> go and West Ham are up to ninth or now we're seventh or whatever, you know, just <laughs> yeah. to even be in a top half would be positive. And, it's like know. Price is right, and it's like yeah, 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 yeah. it goes all the way up, and then suddenly yeah. just plummets. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> it's never going to be maintained, <laughs> is it? But yeah. you know, this this is what you know we should hope should happen because we did spend a lot of money. We have got a top manager. We got players coming for the academy. The the jigsaw is there to be completed. We just need to make sure we have the right pieces to put into it. And and that is that is what's as frustrating because we could have the greatest experience as West Ham fans. And then the stadium feels better as well. Everything It's a results-based business. It is. How long have I been saying better? that for? Yeah. It's a results-based business, trust me. Yeah. And the amount of tweets, and it's so refreshing to read, that I saw saying, oh, the stadium was electric against Man United, electric against... Um, uh, Burnley you know it's because it's a results based business yeah. and as soon as results don't go away understandably the fans are pissed off and they want they want to throw shit at something yeah. and and it's either going to be the board which they haven't really been able to do this season after the investment they put into it or the stadium which indirectly relates to the board but when results go away everyone's a happy hammer and that's how we want it yeah yeah exactly and at the end of the day everyone that you speak to that's a West Ham fan cares that the team do as well as they can do and people might express it in the wrong way and so on but we all want the same thing and that's West Ham winning and if West Ham are winning everyone feels better I mean how much better did Saturday night feel on the back of that result yeah you know, I know it's unbelievable just, it's just, it can affect your mood so it does. much mm, and it like does. you know when we you know, when we lost to Brighton, that was a Friday night, wasn't it, on Sky? My whole weekend was ruined because we lost that game on a Friday. At least if we play on a Sunday, I kind of got Friday and Saturday that haven't been ruined. Um, mm. But if they play on a Friday, and that's how much it means to us. And, you know, that is the beauty of loving something as much as you do. You get so involved and it is it is great when, when things go well. Well, when, um, when Woods come on, on Saturday, I think he was only on a pitch five minutes and he, he scored, didn't he? And I was thinking, oh, bloody hell, here we go again. Because he'd done it last season, didn't he? He came on and, mm. and scored that fantastic goal for them last season. And uh, just like what you said there, I was actually thinking to myself, I think we're going to go on and lose this now. And it yeah. was just, it was just absolute, I just felt the relief drain out of me when the third goal went in. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And I'll tell yeah. you what, how happy was we when Hernandez scored. I know. Yeah. I'm so Amazing. pleased for him yeah, I because am. I think me and Kev more so have, have been um, supporters really of Hernandez yeah. and I felt sorry for him at times, still try to find a place for him in the side in different ways because I'm still convinced there is that glimmer of quality there. Mm. He's still the right side of 30, I think, or he might be a couple of days <laughs> yeah, over, I don't know. 30, yeah. Uh, okay, so he's just tripped over. But when he when he put that in the back of the net, I was so pleased for him because I'm sure being a professional that he is with the history that he's had, no one will be beating himself up more than he will be 
at the fact that it hasn't quite worked for him at West Ham. And, and when he banged in that fourth and everyone knew we'd won and he was over the moon, I was so pleased for him. Well, this is what's what's interesting now because so you don't drop an out of it, but Hernandez, no, of course not. Hernandez has scored last game. Um, Perez scored in the last game that he played. No, he didn't get on, did he? No, no. Um, so you I, know, I'm not sure about Perez. I can't see it. No, and I and a couple. Uh, uh, it's been said to me as well that he's not that great, but he still scored in his last game. So now you have got three forwards that have scored, and Carroll's not far off. You know, that's that's proving to be a good dilemma to have now if we've got forwards that give us options and I, I'd love it more than anyone if Hernandez turns it around at West Ham I agree to an extent what you guys have said we haven't played to his strengths I agree I, I also maintain that I'm not entirely sure that he is the same player he was at Man United certainly not a world class player but at the end of the day he's a decent finisher so he's a good option to have around the squad definitely mm. I mean whether he'll stay in January is a different... I mean, obviously, uh, we've mentioned him tonight uh, and we haven't given him as much kudos and time as we probably should have done because I think it's just given that he will perform like this week in, week out because he does and we talk about him all the time. But just how good is Arnautovic? Yeah, I, I mean, he's just Incredible. massive for us. I, you know, I've never... He's one player that doesn't you know, struggle with consistency. Yeah. Do you know what? I'd compare him to... To Di Canio, not he's in terms getting, of... He's getting that way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's on the right road. compare him to Di Canio, I think he wasn't appreciated at Stoke enough, I don't think. And he's an absolute hero at West Ham. And I think he has found the, the perfect club for himself as well. And he's changed position as well, hasn't he? He was more yeah. of a winger before he came to us. And this is where, whatever you think of David Mortis, whatever you think of him, he should be remembered positively. Yeah. He kept us up and he turned Anatovic from an inconsistent winger to a world-class forward that makes that puts his heart and soul into everything. You know, I, I've never, ever in my whole life had a name of a player on the back of my shirt, ever. I've never had because A, I, I support the team and not the player and I've never, uh, been that and obviously I'm getting to my I'm well into my 30s and things like that like I've never but I've never had a name on the back of my shirt but the other day I, I was just randomly looking on the website I saw number 7 and now to finish and I was so tempted to buy it purely because he is like you said Kev going towards now the realms of like the Canio being that that personality and well I think he's already maverick. a cult hero yeah. yeah I think he's already a cult hero to be quite honest with you because he, he's been a standout performer in difficult times at West Ham he's got the passion he's got the heart he's got the work rate we love him because he's a bit of a nasty bastard yeah, really isn't he? he's that. a he's sort of player that you, yeah. you'd hate if he was playing against you yeah. but but love him playing with you a bit like a Craig Bellamy type player yeah. and even his celebration against Burnley when he's laughing in the centre half's yeah. face yeah. you know you, you, if, if he's your player you love that you get off on that uh, and he's got the class and ability to do it as well yeah. he, he's just I, I just can't speak highly enough of him I think he's fantastic you know what, one of his um, traits that I think is often overlooked you know obviously we know how skillful he is what a good finisher he is as well you know how quick he is as well. Mm. You oh, he's watch well him, quick. yeah, you yeah. Watch deceptively him. quick. Yeah, he's, he, you watch his acceleration him. is, yeah, is, yeah it's his yeah. acceleration more than anything. He's yeah, just like, boom, yeah. on his toes, gone. Yeah. I think he's, I think, yeah, he's got. There's a, there was something on Twitter or YouTube or something where he's tracking someone that's known to be pacey. I can't remember who it is now from the opposition and he beats him for a race and you never think how quick he is but look at the chance he took. Once he'd got that ball there was no catching him. Mm. Just an- I've got a question for both of you. Do you think of a big club coming for him say Chelsea, Man United someone like that in January do you think he would go or even next summer do you, do you think he would? No because I don't think the club would let him. That's that's my short answer to it, and 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 then you're in a scenario where is he the type of person to go on strike to force a move? He probably is. 
So, so I, I don't think he would. I, don't, I, don't, I, I mean, he loves why. West Ham, but we haven't seen him in a position where his loyalty is tested. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and let's be honest, if a top five club come in for him and paid big money to us and him, it'd be difficult for any player to turn it down. Also, and it would cement his almost yeah, virgin legendary status if he did stay. Consider. But it's, you've got to be realistic at the same time. When I say he reminds me of Di Canio, it's on the lines of he's got the perfect fit, the perfect club. Because Man United was sniffing around Di Canio and he actually admitted... Uh, to a reporter, I can't remember what it was now. It's quite old footage, and he actually says, you know, that there was contact. They wanted me, and I, I didn't want to go. I don't want to. He's got such a special relationship with the fans. I know there's no such thing as loyalty in football anymore. I don't want to put a, a negative story on De Canio because obviously he's my favourite ever West Ham player. Um, I think there's probably a bit more to that Man United story that didn't ever get revealed. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I would, I would yeah, agree with that. Yeah, and, they, and I pretty much yeah, know for but, certain there was. But let's go down the story that he turned Man United down. But with Anatovic, I'd be surprised. You know, if he's 29 now, going to 30 as much as I'd love him to want to stay at West Ham and I, and I agree with what you said Dave the club probably would turn it down in his head though you know he's got would he be loyal to West Ham when you know when he's never played for a top club you know he's played for Stoke Wolfsburg I think he was at Inter Milan yeah, for no, like yeah. one game and then never really made it under Jose Mourinho um if he got a chance to play and be and be told, look, you are going to be United star man, or you're going to be Chelsea's star man. Uh, even I think people that actually supported West Ham would find that hard at twenty nine thirty. So I would be surprised I just if he can't did see it happening. I hope, yeah, I can't, I can't see it happening. happening. And, and this is a negative conversation to have, and we probably shouldn't be having it. Mm. And I hope that um, I hope that we. Um, we don't ever have to have that problem because if he can stay there till like 34, 35, or what a West Ham legend he will be. Mm, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think he's been a revelation for West Ham. I really do. Um, many of you have tweeted us to say that you've ordered and received your free craft beer from beer52.com and you've been very complimentary about the quality of what you've received. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, please check these guys out. That's beer52.com. They are the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, sourcing incredible small batch beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back for their members as a listener of the podcast you can try this case for free just pay the £2.95 postage and for that you'll receive eight craft beers a ferment magazine and a snack delivered next day shipping there's no minimum commitment you could just take the free case try the beers see what you think and if it's not for you you can pause or cancel anytime to sign up please go to www.beer52.com forward slash West Ham uh, our first song tonight is for Chicharito and when we come back, it's going to be exclusive news and views from X. Stay with us.
gon' give it to ya Wait for you to get it on your own X gon' deliver to ya X gon' give it to ya He gon' give it to ya X gon' give it to ya Right, what you got for us this week, mate? Um, so injuries is always something um, that we have to start with as a West Ham fan. So um, the current situation is that Andy Carroll should be back um, for selection for the Man City game, which is obviously in a couple of weeks' time after the international window. So we've got Huddersfield this week. Could be the perfect sort of game for Andy to play in, actually. Against Man City is not a bad one to throw him in and rough them up a bit. Mm. Um, uh, Lanzini's still due in February time. Uh, Wilshire had a setback with his injury. So he's looking to come back into training in a couple of weeks' time. Winston Reid, there's no date on his injury. Um, he's actually not even in the country, I don't think, at this point. I think he's in possibly in New Zealand, not entirely sure, but he's, I don't think he's actually in the country. Uh, so it shows that he's a long way off. Nathan Holland's resumed training. Um, and I think that's everyone, is it? I think I've covered all, all players. There's no one that I can think of off the top of my head that's missing from that. Obviously, Perez is now fit, having had a bit of an ankle injury. Noble suspended. So he'll miss the Huddersfield game, but he'll be back um, for Man City as well. So it'll be interesting. Yarmolenko's out for um, pretty much to the end of the season. Might get a couple of games at the end of the year. but um, So yeah. frustrating. Yeah, exactly. But he's out pretty much for the season and... Uh, yeah, so that's that's the current selection um, situation. Uh, moving on to transfers. <clears throat> uh, had some good news this week in terms of two of our potential players that um, Chelsea's manager has said that he doesn't see a place for Moses or Drinkwater. Now, both, both of them have been heavily linked with us, so the fact that they're probably going to be available in January is an interesting one. Um, Wanamayana, the Spurs midfielder, has been linked with us. There was What's some- his name? Wana Mayana. Is that as Sorry, he's pulling me up with my pronunciation. Yeah, I was say, better than your been as well. You say, tell me who, tell me who Tottenham's manager is, mate. <laughs> uh, is it Pochettino or Pochettino? I can never get this one right. There's Pot- no Pochettino. Who cares? Who cares? Pochettino. Cappuccino. There's no, there's no team. <laughs> it's Wanyama, actually, and I take great pleasure in correcting you Are on you that. Sure? Victor Wanyama. What country does he come from? Nigeria. No, he doesn't. Kenya. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Which club did Tottenham sign him from? Southampton. Okay. Eat Where did Southampton sign him from? Don't know. <laughs> well, <I give. laughs> anyway, this is not the victim of one of the young Yeah, he. Um, uh, I like him, so, by the way. Yeah, when I think he's a good player. Oh, yeah, he did actually. Mm. Good point, he did. Um, I think. Um, We've, we've been linked with him and actually the, some of the one website is talking about us doing a swap deal for Rice for him. Now, obviously, uh-huh. we're, exactly, <laughs> now obviously West Ham wouldn't approve of that. However, Tottenham are one of the clubs, I hate to say it, that are looking at Rice from afar. Um, so I hope it doesn't come down to it. But I think his agent um, is an agent who is the same agent possibly of Rice and maybe Wilshire. So we've got links to his agent and one of my arm. Wagamamas. Trying to avoid saying his name. <laughs> uh, um, he, Just call him Victor. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a Victor. Um, he, um, yeah, ha- I don't think it's a move that's likely to happen at this point, but it's, if it did happen, it's not something that I'd be shocked by because there are strong links. He is the sort of player we need. I don't think Tottenham are going to be keeping hold of him. The problem is West Ham and Tottenham just don't deal with each other ever since that Adi Bayor incident when you know David Gold said don't go to bed and then they pulled the plug on the Adi Bayor deal we've just not 
we've not um, worked with them in terms of transfers, so I'm not sure about that. We have been scouting a number of players. The scouts have been compelling uh, reports on players and positions that we need. We are looking, you know, potentially to sell a few players as well in January. I think Oxford's days at West Ham are probably numbered. I'd be very surprised if he's still in our books come February. Played against Derby, I think it was in for the under 23s. Apparently, it was at fault for the goal then as well so things are really not going very well for him at the moment which is sad in a way given what David Hunt said about him a few weeks on the show but things really seem to have deteriorated for him um, I think Antonio if the right offer comes in for him could be one that we look to move on Age, I wonder what we deem as that right offer to be for him now well, we wanted about 20 million for him in the, in the summer but I'd say that's fair yeah, I'm not sure we oh, can even I'll, get I'll that. Bite now. your hand off for it. To yeah, be honest, it breaks say. my heart to say it, but I think you'd do well to break ten. Yeah, to be I, quite honest I think with you. I agree with you, and um, I think they look to um, uh, possibly move on Adrian as well. You know, you've got a decent backup keeper, but he's not challenging Fabianski, is he? Um, and he's on reasonably high wages. Well, you think we proactively look to move him on, or well, you think you'd I, force him? I move? don't think we'd force him to move on, but if an offer came in for him, I don't think we'd turn it down. I don't think he'd want to leave either because he loves the club, but I just can't see the club trying to hold on to him too long. They are exploring the left-back position. You know, it's been a real issue this season. Um they are looking at central midfield definitely because there's been issues there potentially another winger as well they're looking at um his name El Shawari yeah who used to play for Milan I think he's at Roma now is he yeah yeah Yeah, so um, they're looking at potentially getting him on loan I mean back in the day he was a very highly rated Mm. youngster so I think he could be good again it's one of the crazy air isn't it yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, like sort of mobile. Or... I'm sure he's had uh, more fitting tributes than that to his career. Well, I was but... say, yeah. <laughs> um, interesting... That's how I remember him yeah. anyway. Interesting with Yao Mario because we were looking to bring him back potentially in January, but he's broken into the Inter Milan team at this point. I think not sure the actual stats, but he's definitely got a goal and a few assists in recent games. And I think he got three assists the other night actually. Well, there you go. And I yeah. think he might in have one game. Scored yeah, well. he did. He scored game. and got three assists. Yeah. yeah. So he's looking like he's one of their important players now. So he. May may struggle to get him, um, but they've got this. You know, the whole point of having Huzilios at the club is to identify these new gems that we might be able to bring in, and he's that's basically what his role is, and that's basically what he's been doing. Um, so yeah. Lots of people ask me about the Declan Rice contracts. I'm very vocal about it on Twitter. Randomly, you know. I don't know why. I just don't know why we're not tying him down. I think the club have maybe underestimated how well he would play um, since he broke into the team and how well he'd play this season. Um, Originally, I think he was happy to take 30 grand a week. You know, whether he'd take that now, I don't know. But the club haven't offered that. The club had offered 21. That's so infuriating, isn't it? I know we've we've gone over this so many times, so we we, we won't. Everyone knows how we feel, but it is infuriating. And just quickly on that note, I think it's hilarious how fans started up a GoFundMe page to try and get Declan his wage. Absolutely brilliant. How's he ever going to maintain that for the rest of the rights career? Yeah, but obviously it's more to make a point, really, and a a fitting point as well, because I just think it's barbaric and embarrassing. And I tell you what, if we do let him go, because we can't get this resolved, it's, we'll never be able to forgive the ball. No, that's no, game no, over. The, the that's, that's it. The, fan, yeah. the fans, if it hasn't already been broke, that relationship, and it probably is on the verge of, that will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. There'll be no coming back from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I um, 
messaged I'll admit to it David Gold on Twitter and I basically said to him because he randomly follows me I basically said to him what are we playing at and uh, he just said don't worry it's all under control but I am he also said don't go to bed at one point he did exactly he said a lot of other things too but I I do worry because there are clubs interested you know Tottenham Man City Dortmund Chelsea possibly can you imagine if he ended up there this is what I'm saying if he ended up 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 at Tottenham Tottenham, I mean even Chelsea would be bad but if he ended up at Tottenham there would be yeah that would be horrific when's his contract due to expire this is the real this is the real talking point you know I think he believes it's up at the end of the year but the club seems to think they've got a two year renewal that they can trigger but either way you know he's on 3,000 a week how long are you going to be able to keep this up for for Premier League player and the be- our best Premier League player, you know, our most consistent Premier League player. You should choose if you're going to choose Hammer of the Year at the end of the year. Who are you choosing? You got oh, a he's up there. He's right up there. You got Fabianski, I guess, mm. is up there. Diop, possibly Arnie, obviously Arnie Balbuena in here. But, but Declan's say. there. He's yeah. there all day long. He'll get fight. votes without a doubt. Oh yeah, he's definitely fighting for it. And he's 19. That is what people seem to forget. You know, at 19, he's so young. Dean Garner's older than that. You know, mm. and everyone's calling him a youngster. He's 19. And the fellas played, you know, probably going on fifty Premier League games. How much he's on? I know you got in trouble before for for saying how much okay, people. Well, earn, I won't but specify, but he's on less than Declan Rice. Right. So both of them need to have their contracts renew, uh, renewed and reviewed very soon. And I just think it's just massive PR. I'm hoping. I'm hoping in January, if we do shift a few players. Potentially, if we shift on Oxford, then it frees up cash. It takes away that stigma of him uh, potentially being overpaid, and then it, and then it enables us to offer Deccan a suitable contract. You know, people say he's young; he shouldn't be paid too much. But you just got to pay the going rate for someone of his talent, and and I believe that he deserves that sort of money. He could be our linchpin for many years to come. You shouldn't punish someone because they're young. I mean, like I say, if I'm working in a workplace and someone is older than me, but I'm producing far more than they are on a more consistent level, yet I'm being paid far less than them, I'd consider moving on. You know, so why shouldn't he? You know, he's not. He didn't start as a West Ham fan. He was a Chelsea fan. He was in Chelsea's academy. His dad's a Chelsea fan. You know, he loves West Ham. He loves West Ham to bits, and he'd love to stay here now. But the club have just got to get their hats together. I know we talk about this every week, and some fans have accused me of stirring the pot. But do you know what? I don't actually care because the pot needs stirring because we need to get this player on a long-term contract. I just don't understand what we're playing at. West Ham in the past, we've lost Joe. Look at the team we could have had if we'd held on to them. We lost Michael Carrick, Joe Cole, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, you know Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, all these youngsters. Those alone are seven players that you could have in your team and we could have potentially do it for our first best players in the academy since what Mark Noble arguably better than Mark Noble do you know what we're actually in a position to do that now as well whereas when we had the likes of Cole Carrick Lampard we weren't really in a position to, to hold on to well, it. well yeah we've just been relegated when we lost like Cole and Johnson and Carrick and so on I mean Carrick even st- stuck around for a year I mean the, you've got to think if he's this good at 19 He's not going to get worse, is he? What's you he know, be like 24, exactly. What's he be like at twenty four, twenty five? There's just so many really negative outcomes to this. You know, first and foremost, what message does it send the academy players coming through that see Declan 
smashing it at West Ham. And that should be the pinnacle of what you can achieve. But actually, as it stands, okay, if I do make it at West Ham and I do get in the team and I'll be on a pittance in comparison to everyone else, I won't be rewarded for success. Be punished for resources. Exactly, exactly. You'd be persecuted for your own success. And then it's someone like Diop, who's been fantastic for West Ham so far, by the way. He's two years older than Declan Rice. Come on, he's on 50 or grand a week. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what message does that send? And and we had Dave Hunt on the show recently, and it is a case of, it is a battle to get kids to come to West Ham over Chelsea or Tottenham and you've really got to kind of have a certain strategy in place to make that happen well that could be blown to bits for some people looking at West Ham from the outside to say well if my boy as a father does make it at West Ham how's he going to get treated look at Declan Rice I totally agree with you and, if and that's we, just one negative scenario yeah. not, you know not to not to take into account how the fans are going to react as the general atmosphere going to be well exactly I mean let's emphasise this to emphasise the point okay if you was to pick your defensive midfielder assuming both players are fit who are you picking Declan Rice or Carlos Sanchez? He's the first one. He's the first name on the team. Sheet. I, 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 for, for me, yeah, he is. Yeah. He, he's first. He, he's first on the team sheet before Mark Noble, yeah. in my opinion. And Carlos Sanchez earns seventy grand a week, and yet, when, I mean, and yet we're not even even. There's not even a shadow oh, of doubt. Jesus if I was Christ. to if I was to ask any West Ham fan, I'm asking you now to the listeners, who are you picking, Declan Rice or Carlos Sanchez? If anyone says Carlos Sanchez over Declan Rice, I, I'd question whether they understand football and the fact is someone's earning one of them's earning 70 grand and one of them's earning three grand and wants to actually earn less than half what Sanchez is earning as a full-time contract for five years and is not being offered um, it for a hundred percent more contribution I'm telling you exactly. now it is written in the stars for Declan Rice to take over from Mark Noble long-term. it should be it should be long-term. written in the stars yeah. it's written in the stars it should be but they it's cannot never... mess this up the ball they can't, I know. I mean, they I can't think, mess it up I think for that for me would be that would be I don't know how there's I no def- coming back from there's it no that, would back. Un- that would undo all the work they've done in the yeah, summer you that can't undo defend all it. it and because it's not like you know if Declan suddenly turned around and said look I'm better than West Ham I want to go to Man City or whatever then that's not the board's fault it is at the fault because they haven't given the right deal but if they've given him the right deal he signed a new contract and then Declan Rice says that well that's not the board's fault but if he's saying it now you know, I think other clubs are interested in him of a lesser standard possibly board possibly Wolves possibly Fulham you know if even they are prepared to offer more money yeah, yeah but even if they were to even if let's just say for example if they were even to look at it from a business point of view let's time down 50, 60 grand a week 5, 6 year deal and if someone is really interested in buying him then you've got to give us this much money exactly. for him this is what I'm saying yeah. even from a business point of view why can't yeah. they look at it like that well that's exactly what I don't get because we always I guess accuse West Ham fans accuse the board of being businessmen and thinking about profits well like you exactly what you've mm. just said Kev that it doesn't make business sense to do this you mm. know we would get money for him because he'd go on a tribunal but it wouldn't be what we could demand It'd if he was like on a, a long few, few million yeah exactly uh, that we could demand if he's on a long there's contract. no way there's no way they let that happen I, I hope there's my, no way my well, they've got to pull their socks up mate they, because they, we're, in, we're into November and, uh, they've got to pull their socks up but, but I, I, I'm not being funny I'd be very surprised if his contract is up at the end of this season. Well, yeah, I don't think it must be because they wouldn't be so And, it, and it's wrong for the ball to exploit that because the other thing that you've got to look at, and this is what I'll go, go back to what I was saying before, is that there are so many scenarios to look at here. You know, Declan has got such a good head on his shoulders and West Ham have got a performing player for the first time in a long time that you can rely on who isn't going to be um, injured every two minutes, who is in the centre of midfield, which is a crucial part of the pitch, performing week in, week out. At what point is Declan going to say, do you know what, I, I've got the ump with this now. 
I'm fed up with this. And it starts to affect him psychologically. Suddenly, our performances are going to drop as a football club. Yeah, exactly. All because they won't give him another 30 grand a week or whatever, which is nothing to the football club. No, exactly. It's, it's beggar's belief, mate. I, I just can't. Hope. The mind boggles with this. Yeah, it's so... This is the, the most frustrating situation I can remember as a West Ham fan for a long time. It's so baffling and frustrating that I'm hoping it can't be real. And in the sense that in January, there must be a plan, surely, in January, that once we've shipped a few players off the wages... We prolong it till then, got them off the wages. Then we say to Declan, right, there's your 30, 40 grand or whatever. And we sign him up because they, they can't, they can't be sitting there not thinking about this and thinking we better not muck this up. They can't be because they've been in the game long enough. They're businessmen. They wouldn't have the billions that they've got without having some brain in there. Mm. In to protect your biggest asset. Yeah, exactly. So you protect Basic your biggest business, asset. Yeah. He wouldn't muck it up. There's got to be some plan shortly because if there isn't, like you said, there's no coming back for it. It will get sorted. And I think, you know, whilst his frustration with the contract not getting done yet, you know, it, it just defies belief that this won't happen. And and the thing that we have to be conscious of as well, just to kind of rein ourselves in a little bit, because it is frustrating for every West Ham fan out there, is that the reason they haven't come out and offered transparency on, on the Declan Rice situation and, and told everyone where we stand is because that's what people wanted from them. They wanted them to stay away, I'm not talk. going to that a little bit, mate, because what I'm going to disagree with, I understand what you're saying, but they leaked the contract offer that they had made to Declan Rice via Claret and Hugh, and Claret and Hugh won't mind me naming them because they told me to name them before. They leaked exactly what they'd offered um, Declan uh, and tried to word it as if, look, we've offered him a good deal. He's got he's got this, he's got this, but it equates to 40,000. With match bonuses, all players get match bonuses it's in every contract mm. um, and and they leaked that to a West Ham website to hope to put the pressure that same website then did a poll it should Declan Rice sign the contract or is he being greedy it was worded in a certain way to imply that Declan Rice was being greedy the board should never have done that and I know factually they did that yeah well I mean that, that changes everything that changes everything because, uh, yeah, no, if that's the case, it, like you said, and it is a very good point, you know, PR isn't their strongest point. They've turned it around for themselves a little bit this season, but they've got a massive opportunity now to make a statement and appease the fans and doing something like that is just ridiculous and I almost retract what I said, really, because yeah. now, now I know that. That's, that's, a, different, that's yeah. a different game. And so, so now that just confuses me even exactly. more. Exactly. So the way they get to fix this and fix any problem, you know, and they could over even, and not that I want to encourage them to do this but let's just say in January we only sign one player or two players if uh, that happens but we give Declan Rice a long-term deal. West Ham fans will be appeased. Yeah. It's, their, it's, their, like, it's, their, it's their trump card. They can gem, pull it out. It? Yeah, it's their trump card. They can pull it out. But they've got to just make sure it happens. And you know, Declan's a lovely fella. I've had the chance to meet him. You know, we've had him on the radio show. I'm going to be at Baz's event on Sunday just to plug that. Actually, because I said I would Baz's boxing event this Sunday, York Hall tickets are on sale. Tim, it's going to be brilliant. Carlton Cole, who we also have met um, a couple of times recently Jermaine Defoe and Declan Rice are in his ring entrance it's going to be a proper night raise a lot of money for Isla and for Dylan Tombini's charity uh, myself and various other people um, will be there too it should be a great atmosphere I think you're going Kev aren't you yeah, as yeah, well so I think Ryan Archer's there I think there's quite a few people um, so it should be a great event mm. 
Good luck to Baz, by the uh, way. Yeah, I would be there Baz. myself, but I'm away for the weekend for well, the birthday. Well, that's it. You've got to give Baz credit. I mean, you know, there's one thing. There's a lot of people that have raised money for charity and for Isla. Lots of people. Baz being one of the main ones that's raised the most. However, to stick yourself in a boxing ring when, you know, he'll be the first to admit he's not particularly, you know, he's never boxed before. He wasn't in the mo- most peak of conditions going into it. And he's put all that to raise money. I, I don't think I could do it personally, I, I, you know. So for to do that, fair play to him and I think he should be supported but what I'm saying is Declan will be at that event and Declan you know I'll get the chance to chat to him probably as will most and you'll see what a down to eye fella he is he's not the sort of person that wants to cause the trouble and be unprofessional he just wants to be paid what he's deserved like we all would mm. so let's just sort this out and get him there and make it make it happen because it's just in everyone's benefit you know and then and then happy days. You got him, Diup, you got Fabianski, you got Dean Garner coming through, you got the various other youngsters. It's 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 happy days going forward. Anything else? Uh no, I think that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got my phone. I've shut my phone down now, but uh, I think that was pretty much everything, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Right after this, it's questions from our collective followers on social media. Exco, give it to you. Wait for you to get it on your own. Exco, deliver to you. Exco, give it to you. Huh? He gon' give it to you. Exco, give it to you. Olha só como esses rapazes fazem. Não existe um time melhor do que esse. Sinto muito por vocês, gente. Joga bonito. Se ti ho visto una volta ma non so come ti chiami Se sulla cresta dell'onda io osservo sugli tsunami Mi stanno fuori controllo, bro non mi accollo reclami Dal fondo allungano il collo, il flow un quadro di modigliani Mi odio e schiacci tasti con il dito medio Togli l'iPhone a questi e torna al medioevo Tu non sei il meglio e merda nella media Se quella spacca sago in cattedra di un'accademia Vi insegno storia dai, tu fai vanilla ice Ti tengo appeso per i piedi, io fra shoot night E faccio ancora questa roba come tu mai Che culo c'è ancora una strofa frate boom bye Giovane, giovane, veterano, classico come il timbo sul camuflo Pablo Esco Chiama i più bravi o qua finisce presto Come il cartello di Cali senza Gilberto Ok, ok, tutta immagine Meccia con le scarpe la tute tutte le lacrime Ok, ok, fermo immagine Guarda come faccio, lo faccio sembrare facile Gioca bonito Gioca bonito Gioca bonito Lo faccio sembrare facile io con il mic in mano ti pesto come un gorilla La zona brilla, cerca del pillar se vuoi fare il pirla Sogno il colpaccio e la villa ma sono pancio villa Nel frigo giusto cartoni, formaggio e birra I nomi li so tutti, peccato che odio chi spirra Io flowzilla, sparo agli zombie come Milà Il più forte d'Europa sette volte come il Milan Io pop di lani, in paradiso fissa col mitra Che da ritira dei vuoti da colmare Ho giorni da condire, dei soldi da contare Qui ancora fate colla per prendervi un po' di ciolla Hanno gli occhi da collirio, ve orecchie da collare Sono ramba, via danno slang per la pia pal La botta di vita che ti sciocca l'onfiata Sta canna di ovuletto fra una roba idilliaca Pulisce il cervelletto tipo botta di viaca Ok, ok, tutta immagine Meccia con le scarpe la tute tutte le lacrime Ok, ok, fermo immagine Guarda come faccio, lo faccio sembrare facile Gioca bonito Gioca bonito Gioca bonito Lo faccio sembrare facile Ho sparato in faccia alla mia donna un giornalista gode Fagli 
più di così me lo dice Dio Guardo giù ma da qui vertigini Siete amatoriali in HD senza credibi Siamo cardinali con le card B senza piani B Bene blu, vedi tu, sono giù con le MMA In più questa bu mi sta su ma che me ne ha Quanti flow, sì sono macida, sono verdum La merda vende come una bruttina con il sertum Solo un momento Ho fatto i soldi, ho fatto i soldi, ho fatto i soldi Frate non l'ho detto mai perché non mentono che sei vero se ti vedo suona poco vero Tipo il vieni fuori che ti meno detto al cimitero Le tue mani ovunque per lustrare i miei ai. Metti i tuoi panni solo per lustrare i miei ai. Brutti sogni mi scoccia, dormo sogni drogati Tutti sti froci sui social si sono omologati Da sto gregge ne scondenne preciso Tu sembravi decisa invece solo il cazzo reciso Cartino e gold, soffia carati, tette di fuori Tieniti gol, io voglio i pali, peppe signori Lei mi chiede per sta merda ci muori Le rispondo ma col cazzo di fuori Welcome back to the final part of the show and before we get to the questions, a big thank you to everyone that came to the pre-match event before the Burnley game. As always, your feedback was brilliant, as was Colton himself. It really, really was a good event. Uh, which brings me to tell you about the next one, which is before the Man City game on the 24th of November, where the special guest joining Mark Hall on stage for the live interactive Q&A will be Trevor Sinclair. Uh, as always, tickets are available on the usual platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook, the West Hamway website and the West Hamway app. We hope to see you there for what will be an another absolute cracker uh, as was the one on Saturday X it was fantastic mate wasn't it yeah absolutely superb I thought Carlton was brilliant you know he's just such a likeable fella and just so honest and such funny stories as well the, the whole atmosphere at the event was brilliant too I mean I, I know we're clearly going to be biased but it just feels so so nice walking around and having that community feel and everyone's getting to know everyone now and you know when there's new people there they're made to be welcome and stuff and the quality of guests have been superb and I think that's the same for Trevor Sinclair you know a, a, a crucial part in our highest ever Premier League finish a massive player for us yeah, um, played for England in the 2002 World Cup whilst a West Ham player and I know He's been involved in some controversies since leaving West Ham, but sometimes they make the best guests because the beauty of our events is Wardy, you know, is not shy to ask those questions that people have been wondering and the guests feel comfortable to answer them. So no doubt these things will be discussed at the event and they're interesting to hear someone's perspective on it. And at the end of the day, people deserve their right to explain what, you know, think the decisions they've made. And this is one of his, and I think it will be a great event and obviously both him and Wardy are ex-Manchester City players um, and West Ham players so that adds a little bit of a you know I guess a twist to it and yeah happy days I'm excited yeah. Kev I know you've been to the majority of them over the last two years I think you said Colton was your favourite guest and, and, and your most favourite event on the one on Saturday yeah just the whole day in general really like I said uh, you know you get your regulars there they come up and talk to you all a, a friendly bunch uh, and Colton, he was, he was just, he was brilliant. Really, really funny bloke as well. And so, what you said earlier, X, just his whole aura, just, it's just a, a just a warmth about him. And uh, you know, it, that that just radiated onto the crowd. And yeah, yeah he's just got that aura about him. I, he? I mean, when we uh, obviously we took him backstage to sign a few things and and get, got to speak to him in private around there. And he's one of those people. We, we've done that with most of the guests that have come to the events. And sometimes the conversation can be 
I don't know if forced the right word, but it can certainly be quite hard because the player, you kind of get the impression that they don't really want to be there. Well, they want to, they want to do the event, mm. but they don't want to be talking to us backstage, I guess. Do you their, speak yourself, yeah. <laughs> do, do their, <laughs> do, Maybe it's just me. They do their thing or whatever, but you don't get that impression from Carlton. He feels like he's genuinely interested, he genuinely likes your company. And, you know, for D- Dave and I, we've met him twice recently and both times he's been very, very, um, you know, welcoming, friendly, very funny. You know, you have to see the pictures that we posted on Instagram and on Twitter of him cracking up at um, my hilarity. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, good times. Well, do you know what? One of, the very, one of the very, very first things he said, before I even opened my mouth when he came backstage, he said to me, I'm sorry it's taken so long. Yeah. Like, I hope you understand. Obviously, sex, drugs... As you know, we couldn't be associated with drugs and all that stuff. But that's the first thing he said to me. Sorry, it's taken so long. Yeah, and you just know, a lovely bloke. Feedback we got. You know, often mm. we just message the players to um, check they've had a good time and stuff. And yeah, he's been very, very positive since then. And so I look forward to seeing him next Sunday. And yeah, re- a real, real pleasure. And you know, the stories he's had were brilliant. And you know, let's not underestimate the contribution he made to West Ham's history, scoring the playoff final. He was a you big know, player for us. Massive, he was. the second mm. highest ever Premier League loyal player. Scorer. A loyal player that took a pay cut to play for us. You know, oh, he said himself he wasn't the most t- gifted of players, but then he did go on to get seven England caps. So, you know, he'd have to be semi decent. I mean, I know we do seem to throw caps at some players, but seven England caps, he must have been doing all right under Zola. I thought he was a very good player. Offers from Man United and Liverpool came in for him, like you said. So, yeah, happy days, top man. And how did he finish it at Waldy? When Waldy said to him, um, how do you want to be remembered by West Ham fans? He said, I gave you my heart. Yeah. That's what he said. That's it. There you go. Another, <laughs> another classic example of a player, perhaps not the most talented player, but one that worked hard and is now a cult hero. I mean, we were saying uh, recently, you know, when we started this X two years ago, yeah. the memories we've made is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. And I hope that we make another one on the 24th of November and hope even more so that you'll be there to share it with us. Um, so yeah, likewise, uh, we'd like to thank you for sending your questions to the show as you always do. And Kevin's going to read the first one. This is from at Ian O'Neill. Seeing the passing football back after years, seeing the academy players looking like stars and for generally just being the kind of man you are proud to have managing your club, is it time for Pellegrini's Claret and Blue Army to replace We Are West Ham's Claret and Blue Army? Yeah, I mean, the managers typically and historically have to work very hard to get their name entered into that chant, don't they? Um, and I hope we're working towards it I mean I've, I've said from day one I love the appointment even through the bad times this season I'm still comfortable with it I like the way we're progressing I think the future looks positive under Pellegrini what's the harm in singing his name now? Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't we? Do you I know what I mean? The should. philosophy's there. It's entertaining. He's got the players playing. The system now works. He, I think he does know his best eleven now, and um, and and I think he's starting to produce special days at West Ham now. And and and, and if we can get some consistency together and maybe crack that top ten and keep that momentum going yeah why not yeah we need to yeah. embrace him well I agree I mean what's the harm like you said Dave what's the harm in doing it there is no harm in doing it is there no negative comes of singing it uh, I think it's a good way to welcome him as our manager the man we see taking us forward so I can't understand why we wouldn't personally uh, you know Pellegrini's current I army mean, fits just as well as we are the West Ham's so let's go for it in my opinion but I like the idea the managers have to earn it but you know, to me, this is a good way to show our investment in the project that he that he offers. 
Um, so next question is uh, at Edward James. Anderson had the best stats on the pitch against Burnley. Do you feel Pellegrini's admission of his opinion on Anderson's performance sparked him into life? Or was this a natural progression? Or because Burnley was slow in their reactions? Um, I think for me personally, I think it's probably a contribution of the three. Yeah, I think so. But I, like I, like I touched upon earlier, I know that Pellegrini's been working hard with him in training. That's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. And that is the results of it. You know, when a player isn't performing to the ability you expect them to, sitting down and talking through this and working on where perhaps it's not going well is the best way to address it. And I think the fact that Anderson was spoke about in the press conference by Pellegrini, the fact that he has been doing extra work and looking at things that aren't going well is all good. And that is why Pellegrini is the manager he is. He hasn't just left it. He's highlighted things. And yeah, and I think it's a combination of things like you say... Um, but I do believe this is his platform to kick on now. Yeah, but, you know, it's over the years, our big players have got away with far too much. So it's a bit, it's a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad thing at all when players are being pull up, pulled up. You know, fans sit there and say, our oh, players are paid too much. Well, Anderson's the prime example. He's on 150000 a week. So if you can't sit there as a, a podcast, so yeah, a podcast or as a fan and question whether he's deserving of that then what can you do I admit I criticised him tracking but I never said he was a bad player I never said I wanted us to sell him I just thought he wasn't playing to the left wing position that could be that could be Pellegrini's fault as much as his you know for not explaining it but together they've worked it out and I, like I say what bigger platform than two goals to move on from now mm. he's got to deliver consistently so I expect a big performance against Huddersfield now as well at Brooker underscore number one. Fingers crossed we tie them both down long term. But what do you think Rice and Dean Garner would be worth in today's transfer market? Both players have impressed hugely. I mean, if I can just go first on this one, because I've got an opinion on both of these. First and foremost, and I think this is really important, I seriously think we need to avoid putting too much pressure on Dean Garner at this stage. He, you know, he, he's come through to the first team when he's played. He's played very well. If there is history of maybe being a little bit of a confidence player uh, I first think we need to protect him as a club in that respect not put too much pressure on him as fans um, if he maybe doesn't perform in certain games and then do make a fuss of him when he does but you know psychologically I think he's still got a long way to go I, I still want to see how he reacts and then subsequently performs when he's had a bad game if that's the case so I think it's very early days for him to put any sort of price tag on him in, in, in all honesty as for Declan Rice I mean, if John Stones can go for £50 million two or three years ago, I mean, it does beg the question, you pay for a player's potential in this market. That's why age is a massive factor. And if he's young, he's an international, and he's consistently delivering week in, week out in the best league in the world... I don't, I don't think it's outrageous to put a similar price tag on him, if not more, to I, be quite honest with you. I don't feel I could disagree with anything you've said there. I think you're right with Dean Garner. I think he's, you know, yes, he's been brilliant in the games that he's played, but let's be honest, he has only played three, three or four games. You know, I hope this is his, you know, he's going to be like this for the rest of the season, the rest of his career. I think he will be, as I say, I think he's always had the talent, the mind, might have 
needed working on, but it looks like he's cracked it. But I agree. I think it's too early to put pressure on him now. At the end of the season, if he's played consistently like consistently like this, brilliant. If you look at someone like Zavon Hines, for example, he played four or five brilliant games for us and then fizzled out. I don't think it'd be the same with Dean Garner. That's a negative way to look at it. But I think you're right. Not too much too soon. Let him get to the amount of games that Declan's played like 36, 40, whatever, mm. and then judge. Well, I agree as well. If what you've said about Declan Rice, if he's comparing John Stones, or you're not even comparing a young player, if you're comparing the fact that, you know, players like Balassi went from Crystal Palace to Everton for 35 million, mm. and he's now on loan at Aston Villa, you know, other players went for, they've gone for 30 million. What, what, why can't he be worth 50 million? He's 19, Every game he plays well, right attitude, captain material. I don't think he's even physically finished growing yet. So you think he's quite a big lad as it is. What's he like going to be in a year, two years' time? I just think it's, um, I think he's going to be worth a fortune. At Sidster999 says, did Dean Garner rip up trees throughout his youth careers? I hadn't heard of him. That's a, good, that's a good question, you know, because I hadn't heard of him before the Macclesfield game and I felt quite embarrassed about that. But then I thought, well, I don't remember hearing his name too often. Well, as I said about him before, you know, I had heard of him and the reason I'd heard of him, and I'm going to name drop someone here, but it's um, through Mark Phillips. You know, I've spoken to, spoke to Mark Phillips available on the show a couple of times. Mm. He's a lovely bloke, top, top man. Um, someone I think very highly of and someone whose opinion I very much value. And he said to me, I remember it very well, it's in the car carpenters after a game and we were talking about you know how well Declan Rice had done and how good Nathan Holland is and you know the names that I've mentioned on the show because a lot of my knowledge on the academy players comes from him or Dave Hunt and um, he said to me that Dean Garner is incredibly talented he said if you watch him he's skillful his pace is quick he's just got to believe in himself more and I think that held him back a bit so you always heard about other players instead of him even though I think he turned in some good performances for the academy and then he had that game against Macclesfield it couldn't have gone better for him so that was the perfect confidence boost and now he's there I mean if you take back to the Dave Hunt interview we did he said that he had to fight off a number of clubs to get Dean Garner to sign so he's obviously had a lot of potential he's just struggled maybe in the past to completely show it but it looks like he's over that so I'm not surprised he's doing this I'm surprised at quite how big the impact's been but I'm not surprised that he's knocking around the first team um at Darren Paisley 79 two players that have lost their way at their respective clubs should we be doing a straight swap with the Saints in January for Antonio and Redmond no definitely not no see I don't think Southampton would do that no I, I, I wanted Redmond when he was at Birmingham I don't think I'd rather have Moses back than have Redmond to be honest with you oh, I'd, de- I'd definitely take Redmond I mean I admit he's gone off the ball a little bit but Redmond left Birmingham he went to Norwich he was brilliant at Norwich he was very good at Southampton when he first went there he was potentially getting in the England squad at one point I know Antonio did as well I actually think it's quite it would be quite a good move if you could do a straight swap I think it would be age wise would be Redmond is at least four or five years younger, I would guess, um, maybe three or four. Um, so that would be a factor. But yeah, if that could happen, but I'd definitely. There's no that. way they'd do yeah, a straight swap. Do no, they won't. They, do they, it, they no. wouldn't because you got to. Uh, this is why in today's market where players are going for big money, 
weird touting Antonio for about £10 million, which is nothing. It's because he hasn't performed for the last 18 months. And when he does play, he just looks seriously unfit. Yeah, and he, and he's and he's injured and, and he's he's been on you know decent money at West Ham and he, and he just hasn't paid a penny of that back. So why would you know Southampton take a straight swap for Nathan Redmond, who who in recent times has been their best player? And you know it's always difficult to be too critical of a player that has done well historically but isn't doing well at the moment when they're in an underperforming side. Because, you know, it's difficult. You look at that against Man City and it was, it was pitiful. If I was a Southampton fan, I'd be seriously concerned at the moment. And Redmond, he's not a magician. You know, I think, I think he's, he's young, he's got age on his side. And I, and I would personally take Redmond for Antonio. And, it, and if we was realistically going to do that deal, I would expect to pay a bit more on top. Yeah. Personally. Um, okay, so this one's from at Sam Reg Pascoe. Do you still see Nathan Holland breaking through this season when he is scheduled to return? Oh, sorry, when is he scheduled to return to full fitness? Well, he's scheduled to return now, and yes, I do. Like, I think a lot of people have unfortunately written Nathan Holland off. Some people have said, oh, he's had a couple of injuries. That must be the end for him. They're not injuries that are going to be long-term affecting. You know, it's been a hamstring strain. I think an ankle sprain. What's happened is, unfortunately, they've came at the times when he was breaking through. I actually think it would have been him that's started against Macclesfield rather than Dean Garner going on their impact in pre-season how Pellegrini rated them and how the other people rate them as I say he got injured and that then put Dean Garner ahead of him and rightly so now Dean Garner would be mm. ahead of him um, and so Nathan has been unfortunate again he's a great lad you know you see him supporting Dean Garner you can see how pleased he is for his mate and stuff Nathan's a great lad as someone else we've had on the show someone else I've had the pleasure to meet he is a top man he's got a lot of pace he's tricky he's skillful I think he can make it in the game as well and I think it's exciting that potentially we could have him and Dean Garner pushing for first team places don't write off Nathan Holland yet at least give him a chance to have a couple of games in the first team and I think he'll get them I mean again it goes back to what I was saying so many times before as an academy prospect when you get an opportunity you have to take it and you know, with all due respect, I'm not excited about Nathan Holland because at the moment he's, he's not giving me anything to be excited about mm. other than the hearsay that he is a good player with a, 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 a potentially a big future. But he just hasn't had the opportunity yet. Um, good luck to him. I hope he does and I hope he takes it. But until then, we're just going to have to see what the future well, holds. With Dean Garner's emergence, it might be worth in January now loaning out Nathan Holland, you know, loan him to a championship side, a decent one, get him half a season there and then hopefully he can come back and push mm. on... Um, for next season because you know I think he's only maybe 20 perhaps so yeah decent load at championship level might be what's beneficial for him in January only because Dean Garner is now clearly ahead of him so. I mean it's one, one player that um, is a name that always used to come up at youth level and has actually had successful loans that I just don't even hear being considered for West Ham in any future plans whatsoever, is Martin Samuelson. I mean, what's the, what's the situation with him? I don't, is he even at West Ham anymore? No, he's on loan to WWV low, I think. But I think the problem is there is that he hasn't had successful loans. He's had he had one successful loan at Peterborough. And then he went. I think he had another one there, and that failed. He, he went, went to Blackburn. He went to he? Blackburn. Terrible, yeah. terrible oh, there. Really went to Burton Albion. In fact, is he actually at Burton Albion? He, he went back to Peterborough, though, didn't he? And he couldn't even get into their team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he, mm. he definitely he's definitely not 
Tottenham, doing well at Burton Albion, um, and then he just he just the loan spells. And I think that's the thing. If you're an academy player, um, you need to go on loan and prove yourself at these clubs. Yeah, I was right the first time. He's actually at VV Venlo. Um, but looking at his career here, he went to Peterborough on loan. The first one was a good spell, 17 games, one goal. Then Blackburn, three games, that was it. Peterborough again, 11 games, one goal. Burton Albion, nine games, nothing. He's only played four games for Venlo. So I don't think there's any... I think he's one to get rid of. The sad... One of the More sad, loans than Wonga. Exactly, yeah. One of the sad stories from the academy has been Haksabanovic. He went on loan to... Um, Malaga was it I think um, and he hasn't been able to play since he's been there they've had some kind of admin financial issue which has meant that he hasn't actually figured so he's got on loan to um, yeah is Malaga I'm looking now he's got on loan to Malaga and I don't think he's actually played a game there so West Ham should recall him in January. The only loan that seems to be going reasonably well at the moment, as far as I'm aware, is uh, Marcus Brown at Oxford. He seems to be doing fairly well down there. What about um, Cullen? What's, what's he up to? Oh, yeah, and Cullen. Is it, is it Charlton, that's, yeah, it? Cullen, actually, that's a good point. And Charlton actually want to sign him. I think we may let him go permanently in January to Charlton. But, yeah, he's had a decent loan but as how well. How old is he now, 22? Yeah, 22, 23. Yeah, I, think, I think you've got to start. Yeah, if you're not if you're not going to break into the team at, at that age, then there's no point in keeping him on, really, is there? Yeah, is I, I like him though. I do like Cullen. I liked him. He's a West Ham lad yeah. as well, and I think you know again someone that he spoke quite highly of. But I just think age is mm. against him a bit now. At Macy underscore Braddock says, uh, "Do you think Pellegrini will go for the FA Cup? Do you know what? I don't see. I don't see why he shouldn't because Wigan have uh, proven that it can be won." Yeah. They beat Man City in the final. Leicester have proven that the Premier League can be won. I don't, I don't even know why it's in debate, to be honest with you. Well, the only thing we can't have this small club it, mentality. It blows my mind. I mean, yeah, but you say that, but there are, there are clubs in League Two that go for the FA Cup. Yes, it's more financially beneficial for them than it would be for us, for example. Yeah. But every single club that's in that competition... It's there to be won. Do, do you know what? I think the same about the League Cup. I, I didn't want to you know, go into it too much on this show after a positive result on Saturday, but I was... I was angry, really, at, at the result, at the mm. performance, and the fact that, you know, like, for example, and I might shoot myself on the footy because maybe he was unavailable, but, you know, why, why didn't Fabianski start over Adrian? Yeah, that's right. And that's, know, that well, in itself... Adrian in the cups, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, but that in well. itself shows you that we didn't play our best yeah. team. Now, why are you not play. playing your best team against your arch London rivals that you've lost to, uh, or, sorry, that, you know, you, you've lost to previously, but then went on to lose to uh, moving forward? Uh, oh no sorry it was the week before we lost to him wasn't it we lost it? in yeah. the league first we lost in the league like first so you're looking yeah. to avenge that defeat against your big rivals and the prize is a quarter final in a cup competition that we've never won before it's a passport into Europe and it's a competition that a few of the big boys have already been eliminated from it's and we're not once again playing our best 11 I look at Arsenal last season we, we covered this on uh, I think last week's show or the week before that was, you know, that was infuriating all the fans went up there and we played a weak side with players out of position against an Arsenal side that also played a weak side. So no one really cared about it. And that was the quarterfinal, I think, wasn't it? So the prize mm. was a two-legged semi-final. And then you, you're sort of 180 minutes away from a day at Wembley. Why, why does any club cheat the fans 
out of that experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, it really is a sore point with me. I completely agree again with whatever, everything you've just said there, Dave. And that's the sad thing about that Tottenham game. Pellegrini said he was going to go for the cup, and yes, it was a strong side. However, it wasn't the strongest side because, like you say, strong side, but not his best side. Exactly, you have to put your best yeah. side. Exactly, because, like you say, Fabianski didn't play, Balbuena didn't play, and Alcevich was on the bench. You know, so even those three players alone, if you're going for your strongest side, should be in it. So that was what was disappointing. I kind of understood why he made those team selections, but it wasn't the strongest side. And I hope for the FA Cup, it will be. You treat the FA Cup as seriously as you treat the, the league games, and therefore there shouldn't be a change in team unless you think it's the strongest team. So yeah, I hope, I hope that um, we do go for it because, like you say, day out at Wembley, chance to win something. We haven't won something since I'm alive, and I feel like such an old man. So that to me shows how long ago it was. But but. This is a genuine question now. I'm not just trying to make a point, but at what point did the FA Cup not become a competition that you took seriously? Because yeah. Yeah, as a kid growing up, you made a whole, oh, yeah. you made was, a yeah, whole day yeah, sitting in front of the telly, yeah. watching the players get on the coach, seeing all the fans swamp towards Wembley. And, and it was massive. You watch the celebrations after. It was the biggest competition in the world outside of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah it's so sad. I think it's the since the influx of money to the Premier League, where league positions are so valuable now, and Champions League going down to four teams. Because before, when we were growing up watching the FA Cup, what was it? You had one team get into the European Cup then one team get into the Cup Winners Cup and then one team get into the UEFA Cup so now FA Cup is nothing compared to getting into the Champions League and that's sad and my instant solution to that would be to reduce the Champions League spots in the league to the top three and give the FA Cup winner a Champions League spot and therefore the Cup would suddenly be much more important see I don't even even, personally I don't even think Champions League should be the top three they're not champ- finishing third isn't a ch- champion material, is it? No, and, and that's the thing. And it is sad. I used to, you used to be as a kid buzzing for the FA Cup final. You like you said, you'd watch it all down TV, be talking about it for weeks. I could probably from about nineteen eighty eight to maybe nineteen ninety nine, maybe tell you what the cup final was, who played, who scored. I would really struggle to tell you any of the last 10 years now. And that is because the magic has completely gone there. It's not memorable. But it, it's, it's, it's. I can't even remember who won it last year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pure and simple cheating the fans. It's really? as simple as that. You know, again, you know, I know you're saying about the financial reward of breaking the Champions League, no. but West Ham, West Ham ain't looking at that. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be knocking on the door of the Champions League. So and if that's we, why the big clubs don't take it. Yeah, seriously. but we don't anymore. take it seriously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, true. You know, we don't take it seriously. So you know, this is my point. It, we wouldn't be having this discussion if we did. And and the League Cup, you should be taken seriously. Now, if West Ham genuinely were on the verge of looking at Champions League qualification and the financial rewards that came with it, I'd, I'd half understand it, half understand it. But you know, if it's a difference between. Focusing on the league this year and not finishing fourteenth, instead finishing ninth and taking the financial reward that comes with that. In ten years' time, no one's going to remember the season that we finished ninth. They're going to remember the season that we finished winning the FA Cup, yeah. because that's what football's all about. It's about making memories. We still I talk agree. about all of the cup finals we won thirty plus years ago. We don't talk about the season that we finished eighth or whatever, or very loosely, not with the same level of emotion. Mm. So I you agree. win the FA Cup. That that is what you're in it for. That is what. 
that is what comprises of your history is your your trophies and memorable seasons. And West Ham finishing eighth this season would be a good season, but it won't be a memorable season in relation to actually winning an FA Cup or even a League Cup. Yeah, no, Again, I, it's something else in football that just blows my mind. I know, I totally agree with you. I really do. And I find it really, really sad. You know, even the third round draw, you used to get excited about, oh, who are we going to get in the third round? Mm. Which random places? You know, I went to Wickham, I think, in the third round. I went to Kidderminster in about the fourth round once. I've been to Wrexham when Porfirio scored that goal. So Whereas now, I wouldn't be that interested in the third round of the FA Cup, which is, it is really, really sad that that's happened. I think another factor is the fact they play the semi-finals at Wembley. I think that... Yeah, it takes the magic away from it, a million percent. Yeah. That's think, a massive. Yeah. Think, it takes the edge off of Wembley, not yeah, the FA it Cup. Does. I, feel, well, I think that dilutes. I think the fact the FA Cup final is at five thirty, is it now on a Saturday rather than your traditional just three o'clock? Yeah. Everyone collectively just killed it. Yeah, they've just made so many decisions like that. I remember. I mean, Kev's just brought up that it was Chelsea that won the FA Cup this year. I can't remember. I can't remember who scored. But what I do remember is I um I think a couple of times the FA Cup has clashed with a league game or so, or something or a rugby game and I've chose to not even watch the FA Cup I think I think it was a league match once like a decent Premier League game and that is just really really sad you know really sad um, like you said that 1980s Cup final still means so much to West Ham well you think about it had, had we beaten Liverpool in 2006 we could be sitting here saying the last time we won a trophy was 12 years ago that's still quite long yeah uh, but that yeah. team would have gone into history. You know, You know, we're quite good friends with... Oh, they are in history still, to well, me. Still, but they not are. as much as they could have been. We're still quite good mates with Matty Everington. You know, he always talks about that. Would have cemented himself in a legendary team. I think Dean Ashton, Danny Gabadon, Anton Ferdinand, all these players, Marlon Harewood, that we've met at the events, Jimmy Walker, said the same thing. So it is really, really sad that we didn't. Um, and yeah, it is depressing at the FA Cups like that. I used to buy the programmes of FA Cups when I didn't when you know it wasn't even a team I supported I've got Wimbledon Liverpool at home got Liverpool Everton at home got all these programs because it meant something I can't even remember who won it last that's borderline being quite sad I think yeah probably but you know um, <laughs> what on earth are you doing calling someone <laughs> sad and you're it's like a hut over there say, some kind of concussion just uh, topping my up vape up mate oh, yeah, <laughs> just don't to... tell Paul I'm smoking it in the studio yeah so. that's okay you should see the other stuff I've been doing in there but uh, yeah uh, should we move on anyway because the other yeah. sad now <laughs> <laughs> is it me? It is you, oh, okay. mate. Sorry, I could have moved on ages ago then, couldn't I? Um, at PK Dodimead. <laughs> I was looking forward to you pronouncing <laughs> this one. <laughs> um, I think I've got that right, actually. Quite pleased. Yeah, I think you probably have. <laughs> there, there you go. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> what do you know about Albert Chip Smith? What are his intentions around his West Ham investment? Does he ever visit the club? Sorry, I know it's three questions, but not heard him discuss on the podcast before. So Albert Chip Smith is the guy that bought 10% of the club a couple of years ago. A very wealthy American um, who apparently loves English football and loves going to the games. I don't think he's a particularly irregular attendee. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he goes to games when he's in England. I don't think he has any intentions. I think it's just a good investment and a good PR for him. The interesting thing was that someone who has got to be the most unreliable fake ITK I've ever known in the business put out a story last, um, last well, I don't know, three, four months ago, something like that, coinciding when there was obviously all the unrest, so it got loads of hits that... Um, his mate 
Paul Allen, the owner of Seattle Seahawks, and I think might have been involved with Apple maybe, was going to buy us as well. Do you remember it's exploded over the press and so on? Well, unfortunately, what I didn't say at the time and what is now obvious was that he wasn't in their health to by the club he's now unfortunately passed away from cancer so that was blimey i know exactly that was never ever ever gonna happen um and you know so i don't think there i don't i'd be very surprised if albert trip smith is involved in any form of takeover of the club surprise Um, i'd be bloody amazed well no he's not the one that's dead (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right his mate's the one i was gonna say i try to diplomatically say what are you talking about and i've just haven't been listening to an undertaker who could have potentially taken over um no i don't think there's any investment obviously out there at the moment um so i think we've got what we have for the near future okay this one's from at garage underscore football uh garage football account uh hey guys keep up the great work thanks for that mate uh the current crop of young players like rice and dean garner seem to be more ready for the first team than previous players is this due to the coaches slash recruitment team looking for different types of players or scouting different areas um, I think you best listen to the Dave Hunt interview that we did on that one because he answered it from a, a position of knowledge. But I think it is that. I think they look for just more than just talent now, as Dave was explaining. You know, they look for the right character, the right personality, the right family background. You know, you look at Declan Rice, you know, apparently he comes from a very supportive family, the same as many of these other players that are breaking through. So there's more than just football skill now. You've got to have the whole package. But what it is, and I think we've moved on, I think Terry Wesley, Liam Manning, um, Steve Potts, Mark Phillips all have to take credit in this as well as Dave Hunt. It's been an overhaul of the academy after Tony Carr and it's sad because Tony Carr's an absolute legend but we hadn't produced a player under him since maybe Collins Collins and Tompkins maybe someone like that Um, and it needed a reshuffle and a something done differently but that takes time because obviously you've got to bring players in at 12 13 and then it builds up to them being 18 19 ready for first team so overhaul can't happen overnight so i think we're now seeing the benefits of a stronger more in-depth more up-to-date recruitment that team now and i hope that the work that they're doing will continue for years to come probably some very good players in the younger generations too so yeah happy days let's hope the academy's back this is a difficult one at Temkin I think I've got that right um, with the FA looking to accept safe standing do you think the London Stadium would be an ideal choice uh, could help the unrest uh, regarding the distance from the pitch I, I've, look, I've always supported it safe standing it works at Borussia Dortmund then it works at Celtic so I don't see why they can't bring it to the Premier League to be honest I've always supported it I think it's a great idea um, yeah, I think it certainly needs to be trialled in the Premier League um, because it's something that could add a whole new, um, I don't know, a twist to games and a whole new advantage. And also it brings it back to the roots a little bit of what football used to be. Um, I, I think it's something definitely worth trialling. London Stadium, you know, it could possibly work. Um, certainly in certain sections, if you cornered it off, it's probably quite feasible at the London Stadium. Yeah, it probably would be a, a decent idea. I mean, I don't think it would help with bringing you closer to the pitch because 
the, the only way you do that is if you put them at the ground level. I, and th- then, I think what he means by that is, do you think that the gripes would be forgotten about? Oh, I see. Right, yeah, I okay. think that's what it's he could possibly mean. Not yeah. physically doing it. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, it could do. It could do. It could improve the atmosphere in certain areas, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure with all the problems at London Stadium, whether it would work in terms of security and the random fans that are there. I don't know, but certainly there's got to be a stadiums that is trialled at and to see if it works, because if it works, it could be a massive thing. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think, understandably, because of, you know, things that have happened in the past, there's a bit of scepticism behind it. And I think probably overprotecting football stadiums to a degree. But I think it's a brilliant idea. I think if you speak to any West Ham fan that remembers the days before, you know, it was all seater and that, they were, they were magical times and uh, helps to contribute to the atmosphere, which a lot of people have historically said is a problem at the London Stadium. Whereas I've always said it's a results-based business and I stand by that. And we've already proved it with some of the great results, days and nights we've had there. Um, but no, I definitely think they should look into it, 100%. Uh, this podcast is in association with Zelo the flexible shuttle service that brings West Ham fans direct travel to and from the London Stadium from as close to their doorstep as possible. Avoid the queues and crowds of public transport and get your next journey absolutely free by using the promo code West Ham Way. Zelo runs routes from across Essex and Kent for West Ham fans, so to find out more, please visit www.zelo.co forward slash rides forward slash West hyphen ham. Uh, and that brings us to the end of the show. So thanks to everyone for listening. Remember to get your tickets for the next pre-match event on the 24th of November and let's hope the Amers can get us another three points on Saturday. Look after yourselves and until next week, come on you irons.
Bring the graffiti of our slash seats of fairs. That's for you. That's you to say.